Hey everybody, welcome to the Metal Blade podcast. We've got our esteemed, wonderful friend hanging out with us this month who has a CD DVD coming out October 25th called Cringe and Purge. It's a comedy CD. And of course, we're talking to Jim Florentine. Am I allowed to curse on this? Uh, I think so, right? Right, Matt? Yeah, we can curse. I'll keep it. I'll try to keep it clean. <laughs> I know it's difficult. It's weird because I don't really curse that much in my personal life, but when I'm on stage, I'm listening back. I'm like, man, I curse a lot. Yeah, hey, you know. Well, you got to fill those extra awkward uh, pauses in with some. That's true. Some yeah, extra, yeah. Some extra umph. When the jokes aren't good enough, you throw the f bomb, yeah. and it, it helps. So tell us about a little bit about uh, the CD DVD package you got coming out here. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited, man. I, I it's really. Um, it's it's very edgy in your face, and like I say, it's cringe and purge. I don't consider myself a cringe comic. There's a lot of like that, the new thing, like oh, he's a cringe comic. What's a, does, what's a cringe comic? Like because he does like cringe worthy jokes. Like his jokes ah, are like, very ooh, cringy. Yeah, ooh, uncomfortable. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch like me, Jim Norton. Jim Norton. Yeah, he's guys good. like that are, are you know all of a sudden we're into the cringe. Oh, these guys are cringe comics. So I never, because I, I don't, I think guys that do like cringe stuff do it on purpose just to shock the audience. There's a lot of guys out there. I don't do it like that. I just do jokes that I think are funny. You know, and, and people, you know, but I always get reviewed. Oh, you see, there's all these cringe jokes. I'm like, all right, fine. Then I'm going to grow. I'm going to go with it then if you think I do cringe jokes. It's like saying a speed metal band's a speed metal band when they're not really or something. But I don't, but there's a lot of guys that do it go, okay, so, you know, Doug Stanhope or someone like that's a cringe comic because he does so then I'm going to be one like, you know, just a watered down version, basically. Um, the thing that I was looking at, I was thinking about it. I've never had a job or anything. I never had to be politically correct anywhere in my whole life. Like the last like real job I had was I was, I was a landscaper for like four years. You don't have to be politically correct there. No. Not at all. I never had a, I never worked in an office. You know, I worked a couple TV shows and stuff, but it's basically like, you know, I worked on Crank Anchors. I went into a recording studio on <laughs> yay! Or I burped and, and, and just being rude. And then inside the NFL, whatever, we just, you know, do our bits. So I never really had, and even with that metal show, it's just like, all right, we're just gonna go, turn the cameras on, we're gonna talk about metal. So I've never had a job where I actually had to be appropriate. So do you think so that I've helps? always been in it. Yeah, I think, but I don't even know that line. So when I do my jokes, I don't even know that I'm crossing that line, like way over that line. But that's probably good, though. I think because if you think if you if there's a line in your head, then that probably prevents you from Absolutely. doing what you want to do. So there, there's no line there, so you just go. And I guess you know the the audience will kind of let you know how that goes to it. Like when you're doing a stand up. It's one thing I found interesting about your stand-up is that every show is different. It's you know like you're like Metallica; you never do the same show twice. Right. Um, do, when you get up there and you feel the vibe of the room, do you do, does that take you in a certain direction for your comedy? Like you feel like oh, I, I can go an extra mile with these guys yeah. I couldn't with a, another audience. Definitely. I mean, as as a comic, like. When you do like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like an improv or a funny bone, whatever club, Saturday first show is usually a little more tame. The crowd, usually married, you know, between 35 and 50 years old, and a little more conservative than the late show because they've been drinking all day. And, it, you know, the people like, ah, the partiers want to come to the 1030 show, not the, not the 7 o'clock show or the 730 show. So I kind of like take it down a notch for the early show because I'm not up there to just make people miserable and, and walk out and go you know what too bad I, I'll, I'll, I'll compromise I'll, I'll meet them halfway like if they meet me halfway and laugh at some stuff that I, that's inappropriate for them then I'll meet them halfway 
You know, I'll do that. Because I always remember George Carlin in an interview go, you know what, I'm going to talk for 15 minutes about religion and it's going to be the most brutal bit ever. And then if the audience is with me, I'll, I'll talk about farts for 10 minutes. I'll throw them a bone. They're with me for the fifth. And I always remember that. I'm like, sure. I love that. You know, and it's so I don't have to just be brutal the whole time. So I'll switch it up. But yeah, if it's a little rowdy crowd, drunk, I'll go more to sex stuff. I'm like, all right, this is right up their alley. You know, not so much smart jokes when people worked all day on a Friday and they're out at 1030 and they're drunk and, and all stuff. And they're just, ah, they're not really going to listen to anything that's smart or clever. So I'll just go, you know, I'll go to blue, the, the raunchy route. So as a comedian, like, like, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we work with musicians all the time and, you know, their uh, essence of performing is that they want to go up there and play stuff that they, that they love to play and, you know, hopefully the audience will, will, will be with them. As a comedian, is it, the, is it the same way for you? Like, I'm going to go up there because I love to talk about this stuff. I'm going to just talk about it. Or do you go up there specifically like, I, I have to entertain these people. That's my, my job. No, it's more of what I want to talk about. I mean, I'm, I can't go up there. I'm a big metalhead. I can't go up there and talk about Riot, Fire Down Under album that, you know, 5,000 people bought in 1982. I can't. <laughs> I would love to, and I could talk about that for an hour, but I know. I'm like, nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. There's like about. four people in the crowd will go like, oh, okay, maybe. Yeah, all right, maybe I'll go check it out, whatever. Yeah, so I don't do that, but I'm, I'm just, I look at a crowd. I'm like, all right, let me, uh, I got material for this. And then I'll, you know, I'll go a little far. I'll just go a little left with them and see where they go. I love being up there and just making decisions constantly because you're constantly, you can't mail it in as a comic because you gotta judge the crowd. If the judge isn't going for this, the crowd's not going for this, you're like, all right, I gotta make an adjustment right here. Let me move over here, let me move there. There's no set set list. For me, a lot of comics do that. I don't know, I'll just go on the fly. I'm like, all right, this isn't working, they're not really good buying this, let me go in this direction. I'm always thinking up there, which I love, so I can never mail it in. So you do, are you improvising up there, or are you just pulling bits that you've done before? Yeah, you know, a little of both, but it definitely pulling some bits too. You know, like, all right, this is probably gonna go better with this, because you still wanna do a good job. You know, I still want to go back to that club a year from now. I don't have to be so much of a rebel at this, you know, at this point in my career because I still want to entertain them. I want people to come out and have a good time and laugh. So now with this CD DVD thing, we've got uh, we've got a CD that is basically kind of the best of the six shows you recorded in in Orlando, and then the DVD is uh, is stuff pulled from one of the shows, right? And they're they're two totally different things. Yeah, in other yeah, words, the DVD is completely separate material from what the CD there's is. There's a little, there might pretty be a little much, stuff right? on the DVD that was in the audio yeah. version, but it's pretty much all different stuff, different bits that didn't make the CD. And then there's a whole thing with this girl heckling me. This whole thing back and forth that's it, that's very compelling to watch and just and then I interview her afterwards and find out why she was heckling. So I wanted to put that on there so people actually see, and then maybe it'll it'll, it'll make one person stop heckling. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. Well, you hope. Although once they start drinking, I don't it's know if you can stop them. Right? There's a whole story of, of it. Like three minutes in my act that night, the girl goes, "Hey, uh, special ed crank anchors," and I'm like, "Okay," and she's like, "Yeah, do it," and I'm like. All right, um, and the whole crowd's like, huh? She's like, no, do it. I'm like, when do you want me to do it? She goes, do it now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, so you want me to do it now? I go, but I have it in a part of my act. I go, I know when to do that. I go, I have it in my act. I usually do it later. I know when, I, when I'm gonna do it. You don't have to tell me. She says, no, but do it now. That's what everybody came here to see. I'm like, real. I go, but that's like my hit single. I'm not gonna do it right in the beginning. You know what I mean? Like I say, I was telling her, I go, Journey doesn't open up with Don't Stop Believing. <laughs> then everybody's going to leave after that. I, I put it at the end. That's my encore. I know where it should go. Yeah, but I want to hear it now. 
So it was a whole thing back and forth. And then I interviewed later. She goes, no, but everybody can't. I go, so you wanted me to do that for 45 minutes, talk about that show. Well, not the whole time, but... <laughs> and I, I was trying to explain to her how it should be in a certain set. Like, yeah. Metallica's not going to open up with Enter Sandman. They used to. They did? Yeah. When the, in fact, when the Black Album came out, that was the opening Okay, song. but now that it's so you know, yeah, iconic, no, no. they're going to they're gonna push, push it later I'm down just the set. You, I'm just giving you a hard time. Right, but no, but they are. I mean, yeah, so, you're right. That's what I was trying to explain to her, and she just couldn't get it at yeah, all. Couldn't grasp the concept. Yeah, but she was helping, which I appreciate. That's good. Always. Yeah. They're always, always helping. When you see Jim live, always help him. He loves Oh, yeah, I love that. Just yell it out, you know? So how did you, in terms of the CD on this thing, how did you pick out the material to go on here? Like, what makes it... Uh, is it the audience reaction, or is it the how you delivered the the material, or like how did you like sit down and go, okay, I got to call and you know pull however many minutes of mute of, uh, of comedy out of this? You know, I don't know. I pretty much had like an hour of material. I knew I had an hour, and I was going to put forty five on the audio CD and about like another fifteen minutes different on the DVD part. So I pretty much just said, this is what I'm going for, and I'm going to record every night, and then just take the best sets the best chunk from each of that. Like I told, there's a whole chunk I do about superstitions. So I said, whatever works the best on those nights, when I do it, I'm gonna take that chunk, put it on the album like that. And then I do this whole thing about opening for the uh, Slayer and I rip apart hip hop music and stuff. And that's some, it makes the audience uncomfortable. And then other people don't know Slayer, but I try to explain enough. So that's not gonna kill or go over great every night. So I did it pretty much like four out of, out of six shows just to get it down. You know, because some of the times they just stare, because, you know, the white people get really uncomfortable if I start talking about <laughs> hip-hop. Because right away in their mind, they go, oh, my God, that's that's black people. I'm not going to laugh. They already judged a joke before I even said it. And I try to tell them, it has nothing to do with the color of the skin. I just don't like the music. You know, so so there's always problems, because the white people are like, oh, I don't want any trouble. I just came here to laugh. I don't need this. You know, that's all like going on. So when you go, you know, racial, which it, it's not even racial, it's just... They, uh, you know, they get a little uptight, so you have to do those sets over and over again to get it right. Nice. Well, let's hear a little bit of this. This is uh, from Don's. Don's. What am I doing? Jim's. <laughs> you guys. You can I put Don's CD I in there. Get too. Yeah, we'll put Don's CD up there now. This is from Jim's new CD, Cringe and Purge, coming out October 25th on Metal Blade Records. It's weird though, because I never thought I was gonna like. I was one of those guys who was dead set against kids. I remember like three years ago, right? I'm at, I'm at my sister's stupid housewarming party. Before I even walk in the door, some guy I never met before, he's like, hey man, you gonna have kids? I go, nah. He goes, no, you'll change your mind one day. I go, no, I won't. Yeah, you will. No, I won't. I'm arguing with this guy I never met before, right? <laughs> then we get in the house, he starts yelling across the room, making a scene. Can you believe this guy I don't have a kid? I go, I gotta shut this motherfucker up. I go, dude, come here. I go, the real reason I have a kid, if I do, I'm probably gonna molest him. I gotta be honest with you. You have to go to a dark place so people are bothering you. I do it all the time, and they run away. He almost pulled a hamstring. He ran so fast away. It's great. He's holding the back of his leg. He's giving me the finger. I'm giving it back. He went and told my sister. My sister went and told me, you said you were going to touch a kid? I go, that ass over there is bothering me. He's like, he's my new neighbor. I go, I don't give a shit either. He's telling him mind his business next time. And I couldn't let it go. Like two hours later, him and his wife are leaving. I'm like, hey, dude, if you ever need a babysitter, give me a call. <laughs> I always thought I'd be one of those guys, like I'm around 70 years old and I'm dating like a 30-year-old. You know, and all of a sudden she's going, well, I want to have a kid. And I'm like, all right, you know, I, I don't know if my sperm's going to work when I'm 70. So maybe I should freeze it. So I, I went to a sperm bag. That shit cost a lot. 
So I used to do, I used to just masturbate right into an ice cube tray. I'd throw it right in my freezer. A lot cheaper, especially in this economy. You gotta cut corners. Oh, it was great if I had people over and like them. Oh, you need some ice for that soda? Here you go, no problem. They'd be drinking like, what is this? I'm like, it's new Pepsi Jizz. You didn't see the commercial? Yeah. Drink up, motherfucker. By the way, any girl who went, ew, doesn't swallow. That's all I'm saying. I mean, because if you get to do that, you might as well take it in ice form. <laughs> Sir, if you had to swallow, all right? I know you never thought about it before. See? He's already getting defense. I'm just saying. Hypothetically, if you had to, wouldn't you rather take it in ice form where you could break it down than like a hot shooter? Look at the gay guys. We'll take both. Hey, uh... So I got a son here. He's 10 months old now, so. About the three years later, yeah. Well, that's a whole thing, the name thing, because now, I, you know, you can't name them a Bill. There's no more normal names anymore. There's no Steve's. There's no John's. Jeff. Yeah, I'll, my girl was like, oh, it's going to be a boy. How about the name Harper? I'm like, Harper? I go, why don't we just call him Punching Bags? That's what the kid's going to be like. She's cool, though. She's not crazy, which is good. You know, she's a little conservative. I remember she was, she was seven months pregnant around the dinner one night. I'm telling her I have a glass of wine. She goes, oh, no, that's going to mess the baby up. I'm like, stop. That's like a new myth they came up with. All of a sudden, you can't drink when you're pregnant. Well, my, seriously, my mom was pregnant with my younger brother. She's freaking swilling Jack Daniels out of the bottle. She's smoking cigarettes, doing bong hits. The kid's fucking fine. He looks like Brad Pitt. He's a lawyer. You know, if he came out looking like the kid from the movie Mask, Rocky Dennis, then you go, all right, you know what? Lay off the booze. But she's like, oh, but I'm afraid if I drink. I go, what are you afraid? What, what are you afraid? The kid's going to get drunk and wander out of your vagina in the middle of the road? You know, he's got a cord on. He can't go that far. He'll go like a foot, he'll bounce right back. Let him have a cocktail. He's in there seven months. Let him get some fresh air. My son was born a month early, right? And we had sex the night before. Yeah, and the whole day in the delivery room next day, I'm like, oh man, I hope my son's mouth wasn't open last night. What if he was turned around? You know, sir. Why did you have to go there? You know, it's like, I'm trying to do a nice, clean show to make my son's mouth go, ah, you know? That's fucking hilarious, and I'm using the next show. Thank you. There's a little taste of Jim Florentine's brand new CD slash DVD that's coming out October 25th, which you can get right here on iTunes. You can also get the, you can get the audio of the CD and also the audio of the DVD. And then, of course, if you want to watch the DVD, then you do got to go out in the stores and buy that. So October 25th, you guys definitely check that out. So, Jim, obviously, you kind of like heavy metal a little bit. Yes. 
Why is that? Um, <laughs> you know, it's uh, there's always the old story, like the, the kid that's into heavy metal didn't get laid when they were in high school. So you had no choice but to sit in your room because you weren't out Friday and Saturday night on dates. You weren't at the cool party because everyone thought you were weird because you were into that music. And that makes you more angry. It makes you more angry, absolutely. And, you know, everybody has the same background with the metal. And then I was in schools that I didn't want to be. Like, you know, my parents put me in Catholic school because they thought, you know, I was going to get a better education. You know, the priests were math teachers. Like, oh, really? That's going to be better education? Someone that didn't go to school for math is going to teach me math? <laughs> well, how, how, how does a priest know math? Okay, you got two balls and one penis. I'm going to put it in my hand. <laughs> You know, so, um, yeah, so I was just, a, you know, I was an angry, rebellious kid. Grew up with seven kids in the family, you know. Probably not a lot of attention, but I, but the music definitely helped me through some, um, you know, some tough times as a kid. You just listen to that stuff and it's okay. So, now you're a big fan, obviously, the, the older stuff, because we've, we've talked a lot about, you know, Ryan and Saxon and all that sort of stuff. But, like, the newer bands, you know, a lot of guys who were old school, you know, that, that kind of grew up when we did into all the music, don't get into the new stuff as much. Do you, you, but you kind of come a little bit to some more of the new stuff, right? I love, I'm always looking for a new band, constantly on the lookout for a new band. I just, um, you know, some of them do it well. Every generation of music, like the hair metal, there was a few bands that did it well. The grunge, there was a couple bands that did it well. Even like the rap, you know, the new metal, there was a couple that did it well. And then, you know, even then when it came to like, you know, the Lamb of Gods, the Slipknots, the Shadows Fall, I, there was a few in there that did it well, but the rest just sounded exactly the same. I used to go to Ozfest, the second stage, it was 20 bands that sounded exactly the same, looked exactly the same. You know, and I just, it was just watered down. And you're not a big fan of the what we kind of call the cookie monster vocal. No, I'm not a big fan of it, but, there was, you know, look, there, I love Slipknot. Slipknot's one of my favorite bands. I love um, Hatebreed. Um, Shadows Fall does it well, and Lamb of God. Those are like the four that I pretty much... Yeah, that's, that's a good I, four. I, yeah, out of, yeah out, of, out of all of that that I liked. You know, but I'm always, I love, I always want new music. I always want some new bands. So I'm always, because I, I love the old stuff, but I want to hear something new. And you're big into, you know, Ghost, obviously. I love Ghost. A, Ghost is awesome, man. It's finally yeah. a great band. I just love turning people onto it, too. I always did that as a kid. I was the first one to go out and get the record, whatever it was. I'm like, you got to listen to this thing. Oh, my God, you got to make me a copy, or I got to go out and get that, too. So, you, so Ghost is like that for me now. You never worked at a record store or anything, right? No, I never worked at a record store, but I you know, was in one constantly and still there's one in New Jersey vintage vinyl that I go to oh, at least yeah, once a week and I love Amon Amarth too cool Viking cool. metal Viking metal you gotta love the Viking yeah, metal yeah absolutely yeah so like in terms of of now like the newer stuff that you, that you like like Obviously, you know, you've got a TV show and there's a lot of people that are all constantly throwing new music at you. Do you listen to all the stuff or like how do you really get turned on to new bands now? Um, you know, probably just from people recommendations. Like you got to hear this band, you got to hear this one. Um, yeah, people are constantly handing you stuff. But, you know, the problem with our show is, and it's it has nothing to do with me, is they don't want a lot of new stuff on there because it's VH1 Classic. Yeah. So they're... You know, it's TV people. So TV people, all they think is ratings and this and that, and they overanalyze it. They're like women, TV people. They overanalyze <laughs> it so much, they just, it's a complete mess. You know, so they think VH1 Classic, if we don't play their videos, the Metal Mania videos, then they can't be on our, our channel because people aren't going to get it, which is so stupid. If they knew anything about the music, you know, that's what I loved about OzFest. 
you had Hatebreed and Slipknot on there. Then you had Judas Priest and you had Sabbath on the stage. You had In Flames, you know, and all that stuff. So you had all those bands and System of a Down, whatever, on the main stage. So people know those bands. People aren't going to walk out and go, this is ridiculous. Like if we had Lamb of God or Amon Marathon, people aren't going to go, what is this on that metal show? So it frustrates me, but I have no say in it. You know, I would so. talk, just if you, in case the few of you that don't know, you're on that metal show on VH1 Classic, which is which runs almost, I think it's almost in uh, heavy rotation on yeah. VH1 Classic, which is Eddie Trunk, uh, Don Jameson, our fellow comedian. You host the show and talk about basically about metal, um, and like you said, I know that it's it's tough because you know you guys are the metalheads and you're trying to push this stuff through, and the TV people sometimes don't get it. Um, but I think you know you guys do a great job anyway. Just the fact that there's a heavy metal TV yeah. show on you know mainstream television that has access to a lot of people is pretty it's pretty incredible, really. Yeah, and it's just you know whenever we do talk about a new band or wear a concert shirt from a new band, people people don't know where to get new music now. You know, so they're like, oh man, you wore out a Mono March shirt on. I look, that stuff's great. And then they turn all their fan, you know, friends on. Yeah. And that's what, you know, like everybody knows the priests and the maidens and the Aussies and stuff. It's like, you want to get this new, this generation and the newer stuff so that can stuff could be classic in 20 years. So that's a powerful thing you have. Like, so you're putting on that, sh whatever shirt you're going to wear is kind of a, a, a important decision now because a lot of people are going to be seeing that. Yeah, because a lot of people, you know, look, all guys, it's 40 year old males that watch that show. So most of them are married with a couple of kids and you know, they, they don't have time to go search for bands. They don't go to too many shows. They don't really know. There's no more record stores. They can't go there. You know, so they see, oh, Amon and Martha, I gotta check that out. And they go on the computer, oh, I like this or whatever, or Hatebreed or whatever, Slipknot or something like that. So, or Ghost, which is gonna be, people, everyone that I've turned on the Ghost, like nine out of 10 go, this is amazing. Oh my God, this is great. Awesome. So I love doing that because I've always been doing that, and I would love to do it more on the show. It's just not up to me. Yeah, I'd love to have I'd love to have you know um, Rob Halford on and Amon Marth sitting right next to him, and, and Amon <laughs> Marth going, "We we listen to Priest when we were seven, or whatever okay. it is." I just love that. I would love that. So. Well, maybe season 15 you'll get. Maybe, because be we're going to run that. out of the old dudes. <laughs> exactly. So I think, uh, you know, we got Corey Taylor in from Slipknot this season, awesome. which was good. We got Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. So we're hitting, you know, we're in the 90s, some 2000s. So I think we're, we're getting there. Awesome, awesome. Uh, well, let's listen to a band that uh, I know you're a big fan of that's a Metal Blade band, too, called Barn Burr. And we'll be right back with Mr. Jim Florentine.
So there's a little barn burner for you that uh, Jim's a big fan of, right? Yeah, see, I love that. that. That's another one. It's just like, this is great, man, you know. Um, and that's another one I'll just keep pushing. Just, you know, people going to, so far, everyone that I pushed it on, they love. It's cool. just great. And we need that help, definitely, for them, sure. So uh, don't forget Cringe and Purge on October 25th. Yeah. CD, DVD is coming out. Are you, uh, so when the, after the record's coming out, you do a lot of live shows, obviously, right? I'm constantly doing live shows. You're not really, on, you don't really do like a tour. Is it more like a weekend? Like I'll do a weekend here and there sort of thing, more or yeah, less? Yeah, it's like the Thursday through Sunday, like yeah. Orlando, and then I'm home maybe for 10 days, then I go to, you know, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for four days. Because I guess comedy's a weekend thing, like Tuesday yeah. night comedy's probably not. I do that in New York City, like when I want to work on new jokes, I'll go to the clubs like Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday in New York and just work on new material. And then on the weekends, you know, do the bigger clubs out and about wherever I am. Yeah, but you know, as a comic, you're constantly on the road. I go, but I'm not, you know, I'm gone maybe 10 to 12 days out of a month. That's not too bad. Yeah, it's not so bad. You go. Where's your favorite place to play? Um, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> On the spot. You know, Florida's always been good. I always like, um, you know, I've, my last two records I've recorded in Orlando. In Orlando, yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I love the Florida crowds because you got a lot of East Coast, New York, Boston. Mixed a lot of people on too. vacation, so they're there to have a good time vacation, too, I guess, and right? Just, oh, Florida's always been, you know, a little wild and crazy and like, you know, nuts and stuff. So I like those kind of crowds. But then I like the blue collar. I love St. Louis. The, the, the state of Missouri, f the, uh, St. Louis and Missouri? Kansas. And Kansas, and Kansas City, they too. They need to laugh, I guess. Are great comedy really? crowds, too. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Why do you think that is? I don't know. You know, it's like middle America. It's funny because back in the day when um, guys like uh, Roseanne Barr and Jerry Seinfeld, whatever, when they were going to do a new HBO special, they always went. <laughs> They always went to Kansas City and St. Louis because that was middle America to see if the stuff re really worked because they weren't sure. Was, but now with cable and everybody's got 75 million channels and they watch The Sopranos and Jersey Shore and all that, everybody gets everything. Before it was as a comic, you know, I remember 10 years ago for playing in Kansas for the first time. I remember driving a car, welcome to Kansas. I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing comedy in Kansas. But they got it. They, they totally got it. So. So I do like the Midwest, and then I also like you know performing in Florida, and then you also got New York, which you know is, is the toughest crowds because there's so much other stuff to do that yep. they don't care. Yeah, absolutely. They don't. Chris Rock comes into the comedy cellar in the Village on a Tuesday night to work on new material. People walk out after like 20 minutes. Ah, oh, we're gonna go to the lay. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to the club. Wow. It's like Chris Rock is up there. You know, he's he's forming this next hour that he's gonna do. So people, so New York's tough, but wow. I like testing in New York because then you know if it works there, it's gonna work. Yeah I, guess it, yeah, I guess there are, there are such tough crowds there because yeah. they've seen it they're all. Jaded. Yeah, they're jaded. They're totally. jaded. There's a lot of stuff to do. When you go into a small town in Kansas City, that's all it is is a comedy. Cool. Well, check out Cringe and Purge, October 25th on Metal Blade Records. Thanks for hanging out this month, Jim. Thank you.